Welcome to Space the Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Geelan. And I'm Connor Flannery. This is our 15th official episode. About three days ago, the Cavs traded, traded away Cal Corver to the Jazz for Alec Burks and two second-round picks, that being Utah's own 2020 second-round pick and a 2021 second-round pick from the Washington Wizards. And let, let's just talk about that. I think, I, personally, I think it was a phenomenal move for both sides. Okay. I don't, I don't think you're wrong. I don't know. I, I don't know if I would call it phenomenal, just because I don't think that it really makes either team that much you know, like better or worse or really improves their rosters that much. But I do think that it benefits both sides. You want to talk about why you think it's such a great trade? Yeah. I think it just solves – it doesn't solve, but it helps teams – it helps both teams on issues that they that they're that, that they've been struggling yeah with. that they've been struggling i with. agree the jazz i think their offense has always kind of been kind of subpar to their defense just in general right now they're relying very heavily on donovan mitchell for scoring who is a fantastic scorer as we saw last year but as a second year player that's a lot of pressure to put on someone to carry your offense exactly Especially, and, and he's He's not. He's gotten off to a little bit of a slow start this season, especially in terms of efficiency. Honestly, no offense gets hurt by Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver sure. enhances every offense, just like that a, is uh, older, poorer version of JJ mm-hmm. Redick. And you know, and the and the Jazz give up a little bit of their future with those second round picks in an okay piece in in Alec Brooks, but they got for right now a player who's going to instant who can instantly at any point kind of I guess like Joe Ingles a little bit. He's not as good defensively as Joe Ingles but probably a little bit of a better shooter. Yeah. And just his ability to, at any point during the game, knock down three, four, three-pointers and totally, you know, just swing the the whole course of the game. Yeah. And also, let, let's just talk about it. We've seen that the Jazz, their, their offense is all right, but their wing scoring is primarily Joe Ingles and I guess Jay Crowder, but Jay but Crowder even Jay has Crowder, been very inconsistent in the past. And he's all, almost been a power forward sometimes. Sometimes yeah, yeah, they're playing true. him in the front court and next to Rudy. Sometimes they play Grace Allen as small forward also. Yeah. I think I think he'll be definitely a rotational guy. And we saw mm-hmm. the first game that uh, he was there, he had 14 points, and I think he had three threes. But I yeah, think, 66% from three. Yeah, that was very impressive to me. And I think there will just be a lot of plays that they – they already have like a very good offense, moving that, the ball around yeah, and getting shooters open. Well, Joe Ingles gets all these plays. Kyle Korver, honestly, as he's old and stuff, he's older than Joe Ingles, but he's also more athletic. He's like six eight, six nine, and he mm. he can just him and JJ Redick. They have this same shot where they just they come that off of a screen. Yeah, 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 they they come off of a screen and they kind of just take this kind of moving three yeah. that looks like a horrible shot, but they're just so good at it. <laughs> and Cal Corver especially just has this athleticism mm-hmm. where he can, which is much improved since he was back at the Jazz in 2000, I don't know, like like eight years ago or something like yeah. that. He's improved on that over his career. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just, that's something Joe Ingles can't even do. Yeah, I, I think he'll just get more open shots, than, especially than he would have on the Cavs. Maybe even more shots than he would have on the Cavs like two years ago and last yeah. year because this offense is just more friendly to a shooter. I, but, I definitely I mean, agree. LeBron's also friendly to shooters. But mm-hmm. you, you get a, you get what I'm saying. But this, this offense is a lot more movement. I think, you know, when you have LeBron on the team, oftentimes it just turns into LeBron brings the ball up the court and is going to do whatever he feels like. I feel like yeah. this offense has a lot of, maybe you give it to Donovan Mitchell some possessions a and have him get a bucket. Screens. Exactly. But they, with jo- with scorers like Joe Ingles, they already run a lot of, you know, off-ball kind of pick, pick and pop. I don't even really know how to describe it. Like, 
kind of a motion offense that that is great for Joe Ingles to get open shots. What's so different? What's you know what's even even I guess a little bit better about Kyle Korver is he provides a little bit more versatility and that he can hit that shot where he's fading all the way around, or he can hit that shot where he takes like one dribble off one leg and and it's just like he's still a fifty percent three point shooter or whatever. Yeah, so that's so it's a little bit. I think he's a little bit more diverse as a shooter, even though Joe Ingles is a better defender. Do the Jazz have enough shooting? I mean, I mean before this trade, no. Now, I mean, after Ricky this trade, Rubio even has so been, they're missing a little bit. Ricky Rubio has been a bit worse than the three-point line than his amazing season last year. Donovan mm-hmm. Mitchell can shoot. I'm just going through their starting lineup. Joe Ingles can shoot. If they play Jay Crowder, which if you look at the kind of just plus-minus on-off numbers. They that, play very well with Jay Crowder. They play court. better with Jay Crowder than with Derek Favors yeah. uh, this year, which I think was different than last year where Derek, Derek Favors, the lineup with Derek Favors was much better. Mm-hmm. Just because I think... Derek Favors is kind of losing a step, and he just doesn't even have the three-pointer as much. Playing playing Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert on the court at the same time has not worked well for this team. It did last year. This year. This year okay. has not it has not been working yeah. very well. Especially because also, last year they were such a lockdown defense that, you know, especially having Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert on the court, it was a very hard defensive team you know, to score on. This year they have not been really stopping teams from scoring very well. Is that true? And, this year, they're, how how is their defense looking? I, I don't have the actual. This this year, I think one problem with this trade is that the the Jazz their overall their defense has been pretty poor by Jazz standards from what we expected. From we expected Rudy Gobert to be a runaway defense of the year, top three defense in the league, like they were. Yeah, last year. we that's what we expected out of the Jazz. They have not been that so far. I can't tell you off the top of my head what what their you know defensive ratings or whatever, but I can tell you they're like a middle of the pack defense from a team that we expected to be up there with the best defensive teams in the league, if not the single best defensive team in the league. So, And Kyle Korver isn't helping. And that. Kyle Korver is not going to help that. Yeah. Then again, let's talk about what they gave up. They gave yeah. up Alec Burks and two second-rounders. First, let's talk about Alec Burks. Yeah. Do you think he is going to be something valuable for the Cavs? I think he could potentially be decent. I think he's missed... A decent amount of time for through his first um, you know few years in the league due to injury, so we haven't really gotten to see, I guess, what he's really capable of. Especially, I guess uh, he just hasn't been playing. I guess he just hasn't been on the court that much in general. Is what I'm trying to say. So I think that we'll see. I don't think that all of a sudden he's going to burst into the scene and be one of the most important pieces going going forward for the Cavs. Could he be a solid role player, a solid rotational player? I think so. A solid like wing scorer, I think so. We'll see, and, and I think you're, I think you're hopeful. And because the Cavs really, I think need are they're in the process of starting to get rid of all their vets. I think they're going to sort of I think clean out their roster. But and I think that, that this has been the first step of that. And I think that I guess Alec Burks will be a good replacement for some of those wing vets that are on their way out. Yeah, I, I don't know if they really need more players that are just kind of hitting their primes, which I think it was a little bit shocking to me. I thought Alec Burks was kind of a young player. I don't know why. Maybe I just yeah. maybe I just remember his draft, but he's like 27 or 28. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which is kind of a song yeah. to me. Um, yeah, because I thought he would be this dude just like, okay, we'll get like, we'll, he could maybe get yeah. better, so, kind of like Chetty Osman, but like a little bit less. But he's not really that. However, I can see him kind of getting into a sort of Rodney Hood role, which, like, 
the Jazz also traded to the Cavs last year or two years ago. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I feel like it could really go like in four or five different directions. I think he could turn out to be like a good scorer like Rodney Hood was on the Jazz when mm-hmm. uh, they had some injuries two years ago. I think he has that. There, there was a few flashes back in Utah about three or four years ago, and he was mm-hmm. a pretty high draft pick. However, injuries have kind of messed him up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, back back in like 2013 through 2016, he was averaging 13 to 14 points per game, which is like that's pretty solid. As the Cavs, if you can get if you can get that player back, you would be definitely satisfied. Since then, he kind of trailed off, right? And then the most he averaged since then was up to nine. But, I mean, if you could have a 27-year-old player who is averaging 13, 14, 15 points per game, that can't hurt. And, and, and I think that to give Kyle Korver up for that and, and to be getting a 15-point-per-game you know, point per game scorer that's like 27 with along with two, two second-round picks, that would be a pretty solid return. Will will Alec Burks get back to that? Who knows? But I think that it, it, it I don't think that Gibb really gave up that much in Kyle Korver because he was going to have to go at some point. However, I also think the Jazz didn't really give that much up in Alex Burke in Alec Burks. Agreed. That's kind of why I like the trade for both sides. Alec Burks really wasn't contributing that much this yeah. season. They they both both sides gave up things. Yeah. We'll talk about the second round picks in a second, but both sides gave up things that they didn't need. Yeah, and got something back. Definitely for the Jazz that they did need, and we could see like why not take a shot on Alec Burks. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if he just goes and plays out of his mind for some reason, like kind of like what Tyreek Evans did or Rodney Hood did, yeah, we could see him just get traded, and all of a sudden the the Jazz or the Cavs, the Cavs got good value yeah, out of that. Yeah, the, the Cavs flip him for something that was more valuable mm-hmm. than Kyle Korver. That could happen. Yeah, and finally the two second round picks. I don't think the Jazz pick matters at all because the the Jazz are going to be good. I mean, we think so. Well, hopefully, they pick it up in the second. You know, in the, throughout I, the rest. I really think they will, just to yeah. save Donovan Mitchell, and he's still going to be in the, on that roster. I think he's going to be a player where. Oh, but it's it's also not this season. You're right. So yeah, so they will obviously like by next season. I mean, we'd hope so. Yeah, this season they're they're looking not so great. Look at the standings, but like kind of middle of the pack in the West. Yeah, it, even even below average, so, eleven I, and twelve. I, I'm right a now believer. In the West. I don't, I think yeah. it'll be a very late second round pick, probably like in the late forties, early fifties. Yeah, and I don't think that really has he, that has barely any value in the NBA. Yeah, as a trade I, asset, it's it's a very low percentage. You know, a very low percentage that you get that you get really a quality rotational player at that at that spot. Also, we should talk about. Uh, Alec Burks is on an expiring deal, and I think is, is Kyle Korver also on it on an expiring deal. I'm I not feel sure. like he is. Maybe like I one think or two years. it kind of clears up salary for both teams. Whereas if you were going to trade Kyle Korver to a random other team, mm-hmm. you wouldn't get an expiring contract because the contending team would need that contract. Yeah, and yeah, for both sides. So I, I think it's good. You fix things that you need. But you also either gain money or just don't lose money whatsoever. Yeah. So I think that's a thing that we can't oversee. Now, mm-hmm. talking about the Wizards' second-round pick, I think that's actually notable because— In a couple uh, years, the, wor- the Wizards could be very bad. They could be very yeah. bad in two years, which is bizarre because they could just decide to blow it up. I know mm-hmm. the Jazz are—or the Cavs are now 
rooting for the Wizards yeah. to blow it up. But it, it, yeah, ex- if if the Wizards are very very bad, bottom of the league bad, they blow it up this season or next season, and by the time twenty twenty one comes around, they're one of the worst teams in the league. That's a valuable pick. All of a sudden, that second round pick is basically a first rounder. They're looking like, at you, Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can just pick up these like dudes. A, you can see, like, who you know, if you barely miss the first round and slide into the second round, you can get some good value there. We've seen it in the past, so we have seen it in the past. New York Knicks. Also, <laughs> I, just, I just want to talk about this quick. Otto Porter has been in some trade rumors talking about the Wizards blowing it up. Yeah, with the Kings, I mm-hmm. think that's kind of interesting. I think the Kings, why not? But I mean, knowing the Kings' management, as soon as they made that trade, all of a sudden, like Otto Porter would just fall off the face of the earth. Like that's what, just kind of how the Kings' luck yeah, goes. But, like how would how would he just fall off the face of the earth? I don't even know. Buddy Heal has been good. I don't trust the. I don't. I just don't really trust the Kings. You you can't just and use that as an excuse to never make a trade. That's true. But I don't think I don't think I think the the Kings are playing very very well right now. They've got something good going. I don't know really why you'd mix that up, especially when. Are you really willing to add that much money to your books for the next couple of seasons are for Otto Porter? Are you saying you wouldn't make the trade know. as the Kings, or you wouldn't make the trade as? No, the if you're, I mean, if you're the, the Wizards, Wizards, you're trying to get Otto Porter off the books. Yeah. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. The sooner you can get Obviously, Otto Porter's Kings, contract off the books, the, thing, the, the better. The Kings aren't going to give up a first round pick, so they're probably no. going to give up someone as well. Yeah. I so, can see them giving up someone like uh, Bajinka or some other kind of role player. Obviously, they're not going to give up any kind of young guy. Well, who did you say, Bajinka? Yeah, the guy, I forget his first name, but he's been coming off their bench, or he's been starting Yaisa? over. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, what? <laughs> it's Norman Bielitsa, right? I think. I think. Yes. I think. I've heard he's it, got a weird I've, name. I've heard it both ways. Bajinka? Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. It, it I, def- I, definitely I, could I think be. I am wrong. Anyways. I think they could throw Bayalita in there. Yeah. They could throw maybe Justin Jackson. It's like a, a young yeah. piece. Yeah. If the if the Wizards want to like kind of just press the re the reset button, I think that could be a real thing. Other than that, I don't know if we can put that much stock into this because yeah. I mean, it was like one report. As long as the Kings don't give up De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, Willie Cauley Stein, Marvin Bagley. Talking about that. It, yeah, that, that, then, then I think it's an okay trade Honestly, for Otto Porter. Stein is going to get paid this summer. I, I that's think true. That, I think that's going to happen. I think he's going to get like he's sixteen be- million dollars. He's becoming an important part of this franchise going forward. He's he's becoming a very solid like starting center for their future. I think. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, and, and I think he deserves that payday. But but going back to what we said, what I said last video with the Wizards. I don't like the idea of paying somebody who probably will never be an all-star. Could all of a sudden Otto Porter be an all-star if he went to the Kings? Potentially. But somebody who, there's a solid chance he never becomes an all-star. I think no, you, everyone you knows he's on a bad contract. Yeah. If I, I, somebody, I, just, I just think that you can't afford to be, playing, to be paying someone that much money who will probably never be an all-star. And I'm not sure that if you're the Kings, who have such a bright future ahead of them, that you really want to take that on. I don't know, man. That's I, just I, think, my I think everyone could use Otto Porter, and plus the Kings. That's true. The Kings aren't going to sign anyone in free agency ever because they play in Sacramento. Sorry. Yeah. And also, they're just they're not in the market because they're not that good. Even though they're good right now, they're probably not going to end up being that good. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I, I just don't think. Yeah, I, and it, definitely worse things could happen, right? Yeah. Otto Porter. Think, Otto Porter like is, is still a very solid three and D player. 
Otto Porter is. I don't mean to hate on Otto Porter. I had a friend. I had my friend Luke text me after. Like I disagree with you. I, I like the episode, but I disagree with you about Otto Porter. And I don't mean to disrespect Otto Porter. I think that Otto Porter is a very good three and D player. But I'm not sure that if you have something going well for you, like the Kings do. I don't know if you really want to just add that much money to the box. By the way, do you know That's he's, he's in like saying. 90th percentile in pick and roll efficiency? Otto Porter? Yeah. I mean, I he, o- he only takes like one a game. <laughs> so it's, it's, a very, right. it's a very low sample size. But I just read that somewhere. I find that hilarious. Because like, who would have <laughs> known? But like, obviously he's not going to be a dude just like, oh yeah, put you in the pick and roll. Go get a bucket or an assist. Like, yeah. I've never seen him dribble. But like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the point. <laughs> yeah. All right. I just want to talk about like, season update on the mvp race yeah let's do it um i'm going back to my boy Giannis. i've been saying it and i'm still sticking by it yeah you 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 got that you got that one right i I would say the only thing that kept me from picking him mm -hmm. was team success but the bucks are really good unless they face the new york knicks which we'll (laughs) get to which we'll get to They they're very they're a very good team, <laughs> unless like you know Kevin Knox drops twenty six on your head, and then Emmanuel Mudiay drops twenty eight on your head, and then you have Tim Hardaway Jr. playing forty seven minutes, and you have Mario <laughs> Hazonio, Mario Hazonia dunking on your MVP's head literally, and then stepping over him. To be fair, Girl, like that that Giannis so was kind of like behind Mario Hazonia, and then like got Shut stepped up. on. Shut up! But shut up. That was still very exciting. And Mario Sonia, we were just looking at this, only had two points in the game. Yeah, those were, those <laughs> those were just only two only points. Two points. Like, one, but, one that, that that were that was his only two points. And also, like, you you're really like talking. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> when you have two points and Giannis had thirty three and seventeen rebounds and like seven assists. Yeah. Like <laughs> you know what though? Hilarious. We will stand by Mario. We Mario, I appreciate I, you for that. I love Mario Hazonia so Respect much. Like, for that. He he's not from new york i forget where he's from somewhere in europe, Eastern europe. yeah but like he he's a he's a new yorker which i like he's he wanted to be drafted by the knicks in 2015 mm-hmm. and he signed here for less than what he could have signed back in orlando because he wanted to be on the knicks and after, and after the game he had an interview where i'm just paraphrasing here but he said about his kind of like tough kind of smack talking that this is new york if you want to come in here and not like the toughness that's going to be a problem and we're going to walk all over you yeah and we did let's go <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> but do you, you, you see what um i don't know i don't know if we can really say it but do you see what Giannis like said back oh yeah he's gonna not, punch him yeah but but uh <laughs> and then i also saw that i like it the bucks um, the Bucks Knicks rematch is on Christmas Day, so we'll see. Oh, I forgot about that. That's we'll gonna see. be nice. That should be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> a little, a little beef between them, maybe. I don't know. I also think Kawhi Leonard is probably in the MVP race. Yeah, for sure. Probably number two, or maybe number three. But, but to be fair, the only reason I think that maybe Kyle, Kawhi Leonard is not number one because his he is he's leading the best team in the league. And, you know, he's scoring 25.5 points per game, 8.6 rebounds per game, 3.1 assists per game on near 49% shooting. But Kyle Lowry is contributing so much to this team. Nick Nurse is doing an incredible job as the coach. Okay, but the, Pascal Bucks, the, Siakam, the Bucks have Chris Middleton and a good coach as yeah, well. Yeah, Pascal Siakam is playing incredible. So is Brooke Lopez. Yeah. But... I just think, I think that there's a parallel in either way, bro. I do. I, I agree. But I think that um, 
the only reason that maybe Kawhi doesn't there actually there's sort of there's more than one but but Kawhi Leonard I think is Kyle Lowry is playing so well that like Kyle Lowry almost should be in the MVP MVP race as well that might be a little bit of a stretch but I disagree completely he's averaging like 15 points per game but what what Kyle Lowry is doing on the court goes far beyond the stat sheet. He's playing so incredibly well. I don't think MVPs usually like do that. But I, I yeah. understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. But I don't. It, it, I, don't saying, I don't think that should be held against him because the Bucks yeah, are playing that's amazing. Because while Giannis is also playing amazing, they have an amazing head coach. They have mm-hmm. a decent supporting cast with the second star. And you have to you have to have a supporting cast to even be at the top of the yeah, of yeah, the yeah. like standings, Unless right? You're and which James is in the late two thousands, <laughs> which is important to to being an MVP. We always talk about oh, but they don't have the team success. You but then you need players around you to have that team. I'm telling success, you right but. now, if Steph Curry hadn't missed ten games, he would be my MVP right now. If he kept up what he was doing in the first seven or whatever, I, in the first uh, more maybe more, I think like. 10 or 11 no, yeah. the first 11 games he was amazing man yeah. I, I don't have the stats in front of me but i know he was shooting it was over like, 30 points yeah it was over 30 points per game and he was shooting from the field 50 percent from the field 50 percent from three which no he wouldn't have kept that up at like 10 10 attempts per game mm-hmm. but 50 percent from three that's making five threes a game yeah and 90 percent from the from the free throw line and I think his playmaking stats were a bit up from last year as well, but I'll have to double-check that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he was just playing awesome, man, and the Warriors were amazing. And to help my case and to help Steph's case, mm-hmm. he goes out and they lose four in a row. He's he's, by he's so important like, to that team's yeah, success, you're, which is you're always the definition you're, of the, of the yeah, award is I, the I, most valuable I was about to say, like, that almost helps his case if yeah. people took the MVP award literally as yeah. the most valuable. But you, you're always talking about this is KD's team. This should be KD's team. Yeah. It should be viewed as KD's team. No, it shouldn't. I still think it should. But to be I, fair, I always bring this stat up to you, and I don't know yeah. if I brought it up on this thing, but the Warriors, when Steph Curry is out, are like fifty percent. They're like they're like eleven they're, and ten or something. Yeah, yeah. When when KD is out, and the during the during the KD era, and Steph Curry is playing, they're like twenty one and like and like 10 or something mm-hmm. or something like that they're just like they have just so many more wins yeah. like like 66 percent versus 50 percent winning percentage mm-hmm. he just he's so good man yeah and he's by far the most valuable player on this team maybe by far i don't think by far by far i still think that katie's the katie's the better player who's more important to this team's winning during the regular season and success i think probably probably you could say staff at this th- point that's a pretty decent definition of who's the better player who helps you win? That's a fair argument. <laughs> but Katie's I'm still, mad. I'm Katie kinda... is still the second best player in the world. We'll have that conversation later. I, I, I kind of agree with you, but I'm kind of just trying to start <laughs> something. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so, we, so we talked about Giannis and Kawhi as potential MVP candidates. Let's talk about best player in the world, Mr. LeBron James himself. He's not an MVP I think, conversation. I think he has to be. I don't think he has to be. Okay, hear me out. They're the sixth seed in the West, 13-9. and nine. On paper, that's like kind of an oof. But <laughs> they're 7-3 and three in the last 10 games, meaning they were 6-6 six and six before that run. So all of a sudden, LeBron has really just like Unless he's stepped being guarded on the gas. by Jonathan Isaac and the Orlando <laughs> Magic, who are 2-0 and o against them this year. <laughs> Mo Bamba on defense. No, nah, it's Jonathan Isaac, bro. Jonathan <laughs> Isaac, most slept on young guy in the league besides Frank Nilakina. 
Is Frank Nielakina the most loved on young guy in the league? No, it's Jonathan Isaac. <laughs> but, like, still. You, you a little bit of bias. Yeah, a lot of bit of bias. Yeah, yeah. Also, he didn't play last night, which was pretty interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, because Tim Hardaway Jr. played 47 minutes. Like, okay, mm-hmm. continue. Okay. Continue. But my point is, LeBron has sort of, he recognized, oh, my team is only 500. We are barely on pace to make the playoffs. And guess what? He tried. He went full <laughs> he started LeBron trying. mode, beast mode. I don't know what you want to say, but now averaging 28.1 points per game, 7.8 rebounds per game, 6.6 assists per game, 52% from the field. As a stat line, doesn't get that much better. I would say that Giannis's stat line, probably better Steph just Curry's because... Steph stat line is kind of better. Yeah, but that's a smaller <laughs> sample size. But... I'm not saying you. I don't know. I think we know that LeBron's the best player in the world, and he's always sort of in the MVP conversation. He, but he hasn't won since 2013. He should have won I still, last year. I still think that next year is his MVP year. Next year, bro? He's going to be like 36. Year. I know. 35. No, he's 35 right now. Oh, 34, no, I'm, 34. I'm bugging, yeah. No, no, 33. 30. Yeah, yeah, I don't know what I'm thinking. I don't even know. He's, he's, he's 33 right now. I don't know yeah, what yeah. I'm thinking. Or 34. Maybe he just turned 34. I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I think that he's won four MVPs already. Yeah, he's 33. Okay. So LeBron's won, LeBron has four MVPs, but since I, so so you could say oh there's the voter fatigue argument and they don't want to give him a fifth MVP when there's guys out there like Giannis who haven't won any, guys like, out there like Kawhi who haven't won any. But at the same time, it's been like five years since he won it the last, his last MVP, he and he's he kept up those same numbers. He could have won it last year. He could have. I think, it, but it, but James Harden also could have won it the year before that. Yeah. And so I feel like the year that Russell Westbrook won it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like the they the, want to make like it they, up they, to Yeah, exactly. But that means that James Harden is definitely not winning it this year. Yeah, yeah. Because I felt like I felt like they gave it to him last year because they felt like they owed it to him. And also they didn't give it to him sucks. the year before. His team when, kind of sucks. When <laughs> when Chris Paul and and James Harden are playing together though, I think they're nine and four. Yeah. So like I wouldn't. I don't think that seed. it's. I don't think that's too much to worry about to be honest. But yeah, all right. So that's my that's my briefcase for LeBron. Um, most improved player probably Zach Levine. Zach Levine. Honestly, I think it would have been Karis Levert if he didn't. If he didn't get injured, if he didn't get injured. I think he, we'll Levert see because he, he's supposed to come back this season. It's not it's he, not going to be enough yeah, time he, to win it. Most yeah. improved, but yeah. I hope I hope he doesn't come back too soon. Like mm-hmm. like why make him do that, right? Yeah. And I think just Karis Levert, man, his his ball handling was just so like impressive very such such an improvement from last year and you could literally you could legitimately give him the ball and say hey go drive and get a bucket yeah the biggest thing to me was that we we talked about before the season that we thought that that we wanted d'angelo russell to step up as to be the sort of the leader of the brooklyn nets 100 percent karis it it, it was karis lavert yeah and that was that was the biggest deal so you could tell by how devastated the guys were yeah like i'm I'm not saying Mm -hmm. if it was like d'angelo russell they wouldn't be devastated yeah but like yeah and everyone Mm -hmm. in the locker room was just like oh he's the best guy yeah um he deserves everything yeah coach of the year gotta be nick nurse just because Dwayne Casey's fired. This is Nick Nurse's <laughs> first year, bringing in a new star player, and they're even better than they were before. Right? They, they've immediately become the best team in the league. They didn't take any time to sort of set up. And I also think, aside from Greg Popovich, the best coaches in the league, talking about mainly talking about Brad Stevens and mm-hmm. Quinn Schneider on the Jazz, their their teams are, have been underachieving tremendously. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah, for I, sure. I would I would say definitely Nick Nurse, maybe Greg Popovich, and 
maybe Nate McMillan, but I don't think he's like doing mm-hmm. that well. I think everyone thought the Pacers would do what they're doing. Yeah, and in huge credit to Nick Nurse. Um, because he's got players like Pascal Siakam playing so well. Serge Ibaka is back to having like career years, and he's running sort of different flexible lineups where sometimes they'll have Jonas Valanciunas, who's been a starter pretty much his whole career, coming off the bench. Right, so if he's they're do- playing a smaller team. Exactly. So he's he's making very like flexible adjustments that are really helping this team win. And I think that he's been a huge part of the reason that this team is twenty and four, and they didn't take any time at all to adjust to having Kawhi on the on the roster. It'll be interesting to see if other coaches kind of try to implement the strategy. Because, like, mm-hmm. in theory, you would think that it would kind of just not have the team be in a rhythm from night to night. But it's worked very well. He's got every player on the team buying into his system and every player on the team playing about as well as they can play. That's the hardest thing to do as a coach also. Yeah. Finally, um, update on Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year. I would say... It would probably go to Luka Doncic just because. I feel like he's he, got he's a runaway. Like you feel like he's a runaway. Yeah. Why? I. He I think honestly, he looks like the best player on the Mavericks right now. I, I don't disagree with that. I think it it's close because they have a bunch of like pretty mm-hmm. good dudes like Luka, Wesley Matthews has been okay, Harrison Barnes, Dennis Smith, mm-hmm. and DeAndre. I just I just think that like. What he's doing right now has taken the entire NBA world by storm, right? And like, DeAndre Ayton is like, okay, he's solid. He's put, you know, he's 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 got good post moves, right? And like, Trey Young, like, while well, while he's filling up the stat sheet and his and his stats are pretty close to Luka Doncic, his efficiency has not been good. Yeah, he's still shooting like twenty five percent from I d- three I or something. I think it could be DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, DeAndre. Would... And to be fair, DeAndre Ayton, his stats are like comparable to Luca's. I'm not even saying that like Luca's ahead because of stats or something. I just think that every scout in the league is looking at Luca right now and saying, "Why wasn't he the first overall pick?" Because he is panned out. I think better than as well as you could have imagined. Yeah, I think. I was about to say, I think he looks like the best rookie right now. Mm-hmm. Not even talking about potential. Yeah. Just looks like the best basketball player. But I think DeAndre Jordan or DeAndre Ayton, his stats are comparable. And yes. I think he, he might just like outlast Luka Doncic in terms of just consistency. Being able to keep it up. Yeah. yeah and that's also, true. He's averaging a double double, which I think is very mm-hmm. like valued when it yeah. just looks nicer on the stat yeah. sheet. No. I'm not even I'm not saying I'm saying runaway is in like in my mind, there's no question that Luka Doncic is my rookie of the year. That doesn't mean that by the end of the year, um, DeAndre Ayton couldn't surpass him. I just mean that it's in my mind, it's not like a neck and neck tied race. It's like I, I've got like Luka Doncic is like a clear number one, and then DeAndre Ayton is number two. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Space the Floor NBA podcast. If you're listening on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, leave a review. And thanks for listening. If you were listening on youtube leave a like that'd be very much appreciated and follow us on instagram at space the floor podcast and on twitter at space the floor uh shout out to through the wire who we met yesterday that was a phenomenal experience for sure and thanks for watching my name is connor gielen and i'm connor flannery and see you next time peace